It kind of makes me smile now. I'm like laughing, thinking about uh, starting leading the business at 35. It was certainly hard in our industry to be a woman. Um, it was unprecedented to be in that kind of leadership role in, in distribution in my industry, but it was also quite unprecedented to be a young person. And I remember like worrying that I didn't look old enough, but the good thing is <laughs> time takes care of that. So. That is the voice of Lori Isbell, who runs a fairly large and successful company. There is discussion of organization, economics, and personnel, but make no mistake, the touchstone of Jesus runs through her personal and business life. That was evident before, during, and after our interview. Welcome to Hill Stories, a space to tell the God stories unique to the people at Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. I'm your host, David Wilson. Today we are sitting down with Lori Isbell. I know Lori, I know her husband, I know her family a little bit. I also know that Lori is actually currently an elder at Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church. So thank you very much for your service in that. But as far as your God story, where would you like to start? So um, I moved with my parents to Gig Harbor when I was five. And as long as I can remember, my mom took me to church at Chapel Hill. Um, My mom sang in the choir and um, my sisters gave Mrs. Babbitt a run for her money uh, in the nursery. Um, when we were little, um, and I learned all my Bible stories at Chapel Hill. The thing that was really most significant for me that kind of felt like it uh, revved my my spiritual life, my relationship with Jesus to a start was when I got to go to an interdenominational camp uh, with my grandmother when I was about eight. I remember all these people were like hugging each other. I'm like, you guys are weird. Like, Grandma, why are people hugging each other? <laughs> a, a byproduct of Christians. I know it's it's the oddest thing. I know. I thought it was very strange. So anyway, um, when I was twelve, I got to go again, and I met an older friend. Her name was Shelley. She was sixteen, and um, this is one of those situations where peer pressure ended up being a really good thing in my life. She wanted to go to a prayer vigil, and I think if someone else had invited me, I would have said absolutely not. Like, what would you ever pray about for 30 minutes? It sounded dreadful. (laughs) Um, But I went because, you know, Shelly was older and she was cool. And I was following in her little footsteps. And Jesus made himself real to me. I had a vision, like a waking vision of um, being in a dark barn. It happened to be a pig barn. And there were pigs off to the side, kind of behind wooden slats. And Jesus was walking toward me with his arms open, like, I'm real, I'm here, I want you, I'm, I'm open here for you. And the rest of that prayer time went by uh, just in the blink of an eye. Um, I had something else phenomenal happen that week. For the last couple of years, I'd had problems with my knees. I'd been to the doctor, and they're like, yeah, the backs of your patellas are eroding. You know, kind of, sorry, kid, not much we can do about that. So if I gently move my kneecap up and down, be like, bump, 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 bump. And it made it hard to swim, hard. If I wanted to go upstairs, I'd like swing from the hips oh, to kind wow. of get up, to get up or downstairs. And so 
um, when there was a healing service that week, Shelly and I were in the back where every good teenager should be. And she's elbowing me like, you should go up there. You should go up there. You know, Shelly was 16, I was 12. So I, you know, thought she was pretty cool. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go up there. So the guy who's praying, his name is Larry. I think he probably asked what was wrong. He probably prayed for me. And then he's like, so go ahead and do a deep knee bend. And I look at him in the eye. I'm like, no. And he's like, okay. He's like, hold my hand and go down slowly. And I did. And it was smooth. And after that, I was able to run cross country in high school. I was able to climb and never had another problem with my knees until like cross country in college. I had something else go sideways. But Larry wasn't around to help you at that point. <laughs> yeah, so I think that it really gave me the impression that God is real, that he wants to be actively involved in our lives. So you've, you've developed a relationship with Jesus. Yes. Where, where does your life go from there? All sorts of interesting places. You know, in, in high school, uh, my knees were great, but I, I had some crazy health things, right? So when I was 14, I was running cross country and we were trying on uniforms that looked like light blue scuba suits and I passed out. And I think I would have been just fine, um, except that after they, you know, had the uh, EMTs come or whatever, somebody somebody called and, and told my parents about it because they were traveling and they took me to a doctor and after that I went from doctor to doctor and each person would say hey you know I think um, they look at the kind of from their lens their specialty I think this is going on with you let me give you this medication right and then I would take the medication I would get some kind of really crazy side effect with it so you know unfortunately the first person I went to see was a specialty with epilepsy so that medicine that I took actually gave me seizures but then when I went to the next doctor they'd say oh no 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 you don't really have epilepsy I'm gonna take you off of that seizures and but I'm gonna put you on this and so I just kind of had about eight or nine months of a lot of sickness where my mom and her best friend Pam were actually coming to high school with me. I would be in class and if I started to have a seizure, they would just pull me out into the hall until the seizure was over. And so I had like all this kind of crazy stuff around my health. In the end, it just ended up being a heart murmur, PMS and hypoglycemia, which just sounds so simple. Oh, and my thyroid uh, was a little bit, a little bit messed up but it was a lot of um, craziness getting there. And it actually ended up driving my relationship with Jesus a lot deeper because, you know, there were times when I felt like I could hardly even breathe, but I'd take a newsprint and I'd put it up on the wall in my room and written a scripture out. And I just kind of felt like there was these times when like I could hardly communicate or I couldn't communicate with anybody else, but God was right there. For me, but I really got to the point where I was sick enough that I think you know I could have just stayed sick, right? People could have, especially people could have just kept giving me medications, and if they, depending on what the side effects were, I just could have ended up with that long term, and I didn't. And that's one of the things that I really credit Jesus with in terms of pulling me out of something mm -hmm. that I could not have pulled myself out of. Right, it's easier to stay in the rut. That's a lot to go through at that age. Yeah. But then you get into 
college? Great experience. Okay. Yeah, a wonderful experience. I had a chance to um, be part of a college um, campus ministry and do a lot of risk-taking with sharing my faith, with leading Bible study, and got just excellent training in just some foundational biblical principles. Where do you go from there? Well, um, one of the fun adventures um, in my life was teaching. I taught fourth grade at Lighthouse for a couple of years. I subbed K through 12 for a couple of years. I just remember like one really exciting day. I remember checking in for my sub job for the day and having the woman at the front desk say, you know, there's been a different sub every single day for the last five days in this classroom because the kids are eating them alive. And so that day when nobody was hurt and we all went home safely, I considered it a success. <laughs> I remember, you know, crazy days uh, teaching choir in high school level or in middle school level. One of the most memorable was actually at Goodman Middle School. I had a choir class and I'm not the person who would actually be leading a choir class. So just trying to keep, you know, a, a large number of kids, again, from like hurting themselves is always good. <laughs> Nobody had told me that it was an assembly day. So I think it was like, it was a holiday, like Valentine's or something. So people are full of candy and sugar. I think I've sort of got things in a safe setting when they open the walls. And what I had as a classroom is now completely open to the gym. I don't even have a contained space for the humans I am responsible <laughs> for. So when I started subbing, I would feel sick to my stomach every morning before my call. Because I was like, what is it going to be? Where am I going to go today? And am I going to have what it takes uh, to keep these kids and myself you know, safe, happy, and you know, as a bonus, maybe even productive? I subbed for a year. I felt that way pretty much every morning. I found a job teaching fourth grade at Lighthouse for a couple of years. Jeremy and I went and hiked half of the AT Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and when I came back, I subbed again for another year. And that second round of subbing just felt so different, where the first year I had felt sick every morning. Um, the second time I did feel like, hey, I, I can handle whatever is coming my way. I just, I loved it. It just felt really fun. It felt like with that time and experience, something that had been so difficult suddenly felt like it was a manageable challenge. That was a really good, a really good feeling. You mentioned Jeremy. When, mm. does, when does Jeremy enter the picture here, your husband? So just before my last quarter at Western, I went to a training in Hungry Horse, Montana for the college ministry that I was involved in. And so there was a number of people there. So when my girlfriend said, hey, let's go sit with those guys over there, I had no idea if they were from another university or I kind of thought I knew everybody from our, our ministry group, but it turns out I didn't. So I met Jeremy and his best friend, also named Jeremy. <laughs> um, we hit it off immediately. In fact, the the fact that we had such good chemistry for me kind of set off warning bells because I'm like, true love can't can't feel this good right and so he invited me climbing and who could say no to climbing right if it was coffee no way <laughs> dinner absolutely not but he asked me climbing so we went with his friend Jeremy Rice up to Glacier 
um, and had a, a wonderful experience, a very memorable experience for our first date. A national park for your first date. Absolutely. That's kind of hard to top. So it, it's interesting that you had that reaction initially because everything to that point had largely been a challenge that you've overcome or learned from. And here comes Jeremy. It's not a challenge. It's exactly the opposite. So you immediately go on the defensive. <laughs> and you, you start to think, now, wait a minute. This, this seems to be a little bit too good to be true. Where did it go from there? Well, um, at the end of the week, he asked if I wouldn't mind getting together for coffee sometime when we um, oh, got... Oh, now, now he brings the coffee in. Well, and then I'm out. The poor guy, he tells me that he like threw up several times before asking me. And I was clear, Dave. I said, no. <laughs> right now we're at coffee. I'm like, no, I'm not looking for a relationship. But, you know, we were in the same town. He asked me to go mountain biking. Yeah, then we okay. went sailing with his roommate his parents. And so I remember talking to one of my girlfriends because it was my last quarter. So I'm moving to Seattle to do my student teaching. And I remember telling her like, there's this guy, he's kind of cute. I am kind of bummed because I know if he's God's plan for my life, he'll show up in my life again, but I'm pretty sure he's not. And I'm pretty disappointed about it. Hmm. Interesting. But he did show up in my life again. He had his internship the same town I had mine in. He ended up uh, working at a camp close to where my parents live. We just kept kind of being in proximity to each other. And over several years, I noticed that he had some of the character traits that I really respect and, and was looking for. So we've established to a certain degree who Lori is. Some of your beginnings, some of your experiences some of your learning um, you've met up with Jeremy too good to be true turns out it's not you guys are together you have a couple beautiful daughters I know Sierra fairly well um, I'm also more comfortable with the next generation because of Sierra the kids like her she's a wonderful girl but I also know that you are let's say higher up in a company and I want to hear more about that. What do you do and how did you get there? So I run actually a fifth generation dental supply company. It is the first business to actually be on the, the books when we were first to be incorporated when Washington became a state. Uh, so my grandfather came back from World War II with his brother and they bought it from their mom. Uh, my dad ran it for 25 years, and then I took over from my dad in 2006, so about 15 years ago, and lead our business today. It's about $200 million in sales. We go from Alaska down to San Diego, out to Arkansas and Texas. I just opened St. Louis a couple of years ago, and our mission is to really free dentists up so they can concentrate on what they're passionate about, whether it's their relationship with their patient, the clinical artistry that they do. Um, so we make sure that their supplies are there on time and affordable. Uh, if they need new equipment that's ordered just in time for them, we supply service techs to repair that equipment, just to give you a little feeling for what we do. I actually didn't know. Uh, that's more extensive than I had expected. So congratulations on that. Thank you. you obviously are a little busy, but it's been perfectly smooth sailing, hasn't it? All no. along. 
No, it hasn't. In fact, it makes me laugh. It just makes me remember uh, my first days on the job. So my dad had been mentoring me. I'd worked through a number of different roles in the business before stepping into um, the role that I'm in today. And I did have a lot going on at that time. I had a baby, my first, came back from maternity leave, and within three months jumped into to leading our business. We were, my dad and I and our family was on a, a ski trip together like the very first day that I was like officially on, like January 2 or something like that. I'm turning to him saying, well, this isn't so bad. <laughs> but then, you know, February rolled around and our controller was like, uh, yeah, there's like a couple million dollars we can't find in the inventory. And it turned out we had this huge, crazy inventory thing. So we have parts, we have merchandise, which is the daily supplies and equipment. And it was in all three of those areas. There was like literally millions of dollars missing in each area. And it turned out later, it was just like a perfect storm of all sorts of little discrepancies. But I definitely stepped into the role with kind of hair on fire, jumped, uh, jumped right in. So for me, the, the challenges that I most enjoy in the business are probably challenges around, you know, challenges around finances or challenges around systems. The challenges that have been really most painful, the kind of things that actually keep me up at night are typically related to people. And one of the things that I see in myself is that I can be naturally conflict avoidant. I mean, I can usually, sometimes I'll surprise myself with like being really courageous and having the hard conversations I need to have, but it's definitely not easy for me. I remember confiding uh, to my hairdresser once, like, I just hate conflict. And she just looks at me like, what? And you're a business owner? How does that work for you? I'm like, yeah, right? I feel like there's some experiences that I've had that God has really used to help me to focus more on just what does he think? What's his opinion? Am I doing the right thing? Um, where I've had to set aside maybe other people being pleased with me. When my dad had me start in the business, one of the things that he encouraged me with is he said, look, you've got a lot of senior people around you. There were people that he had had report to him that he had put in place um, that were uh, very strong, uh, strong personalities, very experienced. He said, look, you can rely on these people as a young leader. It kind of makes me smile now. I'm like laughing, thinking about uh, starting leading the business at 35. It was certainly hard in our industry to be a woman. Um, it was unprecedented to be in that kind of leadership role in, in distribution in my industry. But it was also quite unprecedented to be a young person. And I remember like worrying that I didn't look old enough. But the good thing is <laughs> time takes care of that. So so going in that way, I looked to um, the leaders who are reporting to me to really help provide quite a bit of the direction initially. And I am naturally a leader who is much more likely to try to pull people around me and pull their contributions and their strengths out. You know, some entrepreneurial leaders, you kind of like have this kind of very dominant, very visionary leader. And it's not necessarily the way that I would describe myself. I think I'm better at bringing out other people's strengths. And so I put that into play right away. But um, with one of my leaders, with my the person who became become my VP of operations, I would say it was actually quite stressful because I think he would, he would run faster than me, uh, he would get ahead of me. And I didn't always feel comfortable talking with him about 
the direction I wanted things to go. And some people just make it really easy for you, right? And there's something about this working relationship where it just did not feel very easy. I remember talking with one of my women friends at a retreat and saying, you know what, if I'm this miserable in this particular working relationship in five years, tell me to quit the job or, you know, to get out, right? Because this is not, this is not working for me inside very easily. But as things progressed, right, we had some of those, those crucial conversations, some of those hard conversations we needed to have. I really came to appreciate how he would brainstorm with me to kind of find ways to work past that, ways to maybe understand where the, the conflict was, you know, in, in that working relationship. And so, you know, after you start to work through some really hard things with somebody, at least for me, I start to really feel like, you know, I really appreciate that. And you feel even closer because you've worked through those really hard things. And he took on like, just like a lot of responsibility in the business for me. And so as a young mother who wanted to be able to spend some time with her kids, I wanted to do that a little bit differently from how a lot of executives did. I was really grateful to all the people who worked for me and took a lot of responsibility, took long hours, very reliable in many ways. Um, after, after several years, I'd say, I started to see some cracks open up again, particularly in how uh, my VP of operations was showing up uh, in the organization. So doing lots of cultural events, uh, very strong with many direct reports, um, but we had some pressures from really outside the business that started to make themselves known. So the whole industry started facing margin pressure and um, profit sharing has always been very important in our business, transparency with financials. And so our whole associate base could see like year after year profit going down. And it started to feel like, ooh, something's wrong. Like we are not successfully navigating this. You know, another area that our operations person was ultimately responsible for was in IT. And we went through a kind of a crushing experience with a failed ERP implementation. So for those of you who are familiar with the term, it used to be what you know our computer systems that would run your whole business uh, would be would be called. And we we worked really hard to not put into play anything that wasn't working, but we spent really years and in a distribution company where margins are narrow, way too many dollars, trying to get something to go before bringing in a consultant and just realizing this is just not, it's not gonna go. So I, some of those cracks were, you know, pressures in terms of how we were operating, pressures in our industry. But, you know, I'd also hear little bits once in a while, you know, in a very sales-oriented organization from our salespeople saying, we don't trust what's happening with this VP. We think this person is moving things in this direction, way too far in this direction, away from what we think is going to be the right direction for our clients. We're seeing some failed initiatives here in this person's area of responsibility. We're really concerned about what's going to happen to the business. So now I'm kind of looking at my peers, people I've kind of grown up in this business with, where we've, you know, we've worked together now for like 20 years, and they're like, we're not feeling like we want to be here. We believe in the mission. We love the culture. We just don't know if this company is going to be around long term. And we're really concerned about that we're not having the expertise that we need in some of these critical areas in finance, in IT, in, in whatever it might be. 
And so as that started, that pressure started to build because you could just feel it in the air. You could kind of feel this tension that it had built in the air. I really experienced quite a bit of angst. I'm a naturally very loyal person. The person who had these responsibilities was someone I could just see so much strength and so many good things in. And um, I just kind of remember after this tension that it kind of built and built, just this kind of quiet moment where I just kind of felt like I was hearing that I needed to go ahead and to release him. And I talked with, I was actually on the, uh, the board at Krista Ministries at that time, and our chair, who happens to run a business, happens to be a consulting business, called me to ask me to take some additional responsibility um, in the, their media division. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I have to, because it's almost like this feeling like the whole company feels like it's about to just rift. But I ended up sharing with him just a little of what I was thinking about and facing some of the pressures that I was feeling. And he's like, you know, he, he's like, it sounds so crazy. He's like, I let somebody go who's an integral part of my business, somebody who was right in the middle of it that I never dreamed I would release. And our company actually just started to flourish right after that. I just thought, hmm, that's, it was just, it was an interesting comment because to me it just felt unspeakable still really to really even think about, you know, what would our business be like without this person who just felt so, so integral to me and to other people. Just, just, we were really split as a business, right? It had become a divisive issue where many of our salespeople felt like the whole business is going to fail if this person continues. And there were other people who were um, incredibly intelligent and talented on our operations side who were deeply devoted to the wonderful leadership they were experiencing uh, from this individual. And so I did end up deciding to release him. It was messy and it was painful. Looking back, I'm sure there's things that I could have done better to make it a better experience uh, for him and for other people who were involved. I experienced some crazy things after that. Competition that felt like it was below the belt, kind of some full out warfare on the kind of on the corporate level that I never expected to experience. And it was, um, that was difficult. I had always worked with a very small team of direct report. I decided I wanted to get deeper into the business, deeper into those different operational areas. And so for a period of time, instead of trying to just hire somebody else and say, I'm going to keep a similar structure, I took it as an opportunity to restructure my organization. And I had purchasing and IT and accounting and customer service and logistics and a whole handful of aspects of the business where I got to just kind of really get in there and get closer to it. And I loved that part. Long term, I knew that would not be sustainable for me. But for that period of time, I enjoyed uh, rolling up my sleeves and getting much, much closer to it. What time frame are we talking about here? I think, I can't remember exactly. Maybe about four years ago. So it really wasn't that long ago. No. Okay. No. Where was God in this? So before this all came down with my VP <laughs> of Ops, right? Maybe, well... Yeah, before it all came down and became clear that I even had all this pressure building up, I, I had been walking and I really felt like I heard God clearly saying to me, um, you will build a new team. 
And maybe some people be like, oh, a new team. God's giving me something new. <laughs> it struck terror into my heart because I had this little secret that I've been leading our business and working in our business for so many years, but I had really fired very few people, just a couple of individuals. And um, did you see that as a, a successful, uh, I mean, as as success of your leadership is that no. you didn't have to let too many people go? No, no. I just think that's kind of part of the work that you have to do in business. And somehow I had managed to escape having to do a whole bunch of it. Okay. And I... it's just not something that I think is savory. So, so I was not happy about that idea of getting um, a new team because I did not want to let my old team go. At this point, I had a, a VP of HR, my VP of Ops, a VP of Sales, and I ended up shortly after that needing to release my VP of HR. And I was thinking, oh, whew, well, maybe that's what God meant. Like now, this maybe that maybe this is over. <laughs> right. But it was like, it ended up being like this rending experience to release um, our VP of ops, at least for me internally, how I experienced it was very difficult. It led to more difficult work, more difficult conversations. But today I actually do have a new team. So my admin, who's just an amazing human being as well, has kept this in front of me uh, sometime in this process, sometime when things just kind of felt ripped wide open and very painful. I had this week where I was sick and I was literally in bed with a fever. And sometime in the middle of that fever, I sat up and just started praying and praying about my team. And I wrote down my prayer and it became a vision and kind of a guiding statement for me of what I would look for and the kind of team that I wanted to build. And um, Kim, my admin, keeps this in front of me. And she at certain points will say, look, your team is coming together. Look, exactly the things you prayed for. She's like, I can see them perfectly in the character traits and the performance of the people that you've surrounded yourself with. Most recently, my family is going through some really difficult times. The last two to three months have been extremely painful. I feel like each of us are facing some of our greatest fears. And during a time like this, I don't want to be thinking about the business. I want everything in me to be paying attention to Jesus and loving on my family. After a really long night at the hospital, I got home early in the morning. I called my admin to clear my schedule because I thought some sleep might be good. <laughs> and I was no state to be of much use to the people that I'd planned to meet with. And uh, we had a happy hour with my executive team planned at four o'clock. And she's like, of course we can cancel the happy hour. And I'm like, no, I'm not happy, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I need to be with my people. And it took a lot of courage because the things that I wanted to share felt very personal. They felt very vulnerable and uncomfortable. But I thought through it. I thought, you know what? I trust each one of these people, not just professionally, but I trust them personally. So I'm going to go ahead and put myself out there with them. And when I did, I was overwhelmed with how supportive and caring they were of me as a person. And they also reflected back to me 
Take care of your family. That's the most important thing. We've got the business. The team that God said you would have that didn't come together as quickly as you expected, but it came together better than you had hoped. Yes. And they allow you to be the mother you are, the wife you are, and the person you are. As a business owner, how are you dealing with the COVID situation and uh, your team? How are they all handling this? When the government shut down dentists, except for emergency procedures, I was like, wow, I have scenario planned for all sorts of things. I did not plan for this. I did not see this coming. And it wasn't like you could turn to your mentors and say, okay, so in the pandemic that you led the business through, you know, what did you, what did you do? What was this like? (laughs) So it was so amazing though, um, because I felt like God gave me a framework almost immediately that I would be able to use in an environment that was rapidly changing. And so something that you need to know about me is that I'm actually not known for thinking and making decisions quickly. I am known for being thoughtful. I am known for marinating. I am known for thinking about the unintended consequences of decisions. But I had um, a coworker share with me later with kind of a sense of humor. He's like, yeah, he's like, I thought we might be in trouble because he knows I take my time with decisions and we were getting new information that we needed to respond to every single day. And so I've quickly found some practices that I just felt like were directly from the Holy Spirit. Like I would meet every day with my executive team and ask each one of them, like, what's the new information? Like, what do we need to know? Brief me on what we need to know. Okay, what decisions do we need to change based on that? Um, I pulled my whole leadership team into on like a twice a week rhythm of meeting similar kinds of things, giving clear direction so people would know what to expect. And the Holy Spirit just directly downloaded a framework for me almost immediately that I was able to use through this environment. So I had something kind of steady to focus on. And that framework was, you know, we were going to take care of our associates and keep them safe. Uh, We were going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our clients. And we were going to make the hard decisions we had to make around cash flow just to make sure that the business actually came out the other side and we were here to serve long term. And so I was able to give my leaders and really all of our associates that basic framework. And then as we were going through and getting new information on like, what is this thing actually, all the new regulation, we would just fit it into that framework and say, okay, we said we're going to keep our associates safe. You know, this is what this means now. We said we were going to do what we had to to keep the business going and to be stronger than ever. This is what this means now. I sincerely appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any last words? Just that it's super fun to get to share a story because I feel like Jesus has been working and doing so many interesting things in my life. And it's really a joy to get to share a story with the intention of hoping it will spotlight um, his efficacy and his love. Thank you so much for your time today, Lori. Thank you. This has been Hill Stories, originating at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. The opinions expressed are those of the participants for the edification of our listeners and do not necessarily reflect those of Chapel Hill leadership or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. If you would like more information or to submit an idea for a future episode, 
Our email address is hillstories at chapelhillpc.org. For everyone here at Chapel Hill, I'm David Wilson. Thank you, and God bless.